Good afternoon, everyone, you damn dirty apes, and welcome to episode seven of the Retrospectives podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Terlings. Do you think you'll have made a monkey out of me by the end of this episode, James? I don't think I need to, Patrick. Uh, I I do apologize. That was a slightly complicated reference. I decided to go with the Simpsons episode where Troy McClure is in the Planet of the Apes musical. I also considered going for the the many episodes of Archer where Krieger is banging his uh, fist against the floor. But, you know, Simpsons is a little bit more well known. Thank you to everyone for joining us once again here where we examine old games through a modern lens. We're here today to try to discover games that have truly stood the test of time. Are they still worth playing right now? We don't forgive games of the past for having poor graphics, controls, or user interface issues. We evaluate them as if they were released right alongside other titles. You only have so many hours in a week to play games, so why waste them on a subpar experience? Today, we tackle a game that I've selected for this week, Ape Escape. My memories of this game are fragmented. I remember renting it out once or twice from the video shop, but I don't think I ever completed it. Did you have any prior knowledge of the game before we started playing it, James? Yeah, so I'd never played a uh, Gorilla Getaway before in my life, so um, you know it's a new experience to me. And uh, shockingly, James has never played the Metal Gear Solid Three Snake vs Monkey mission, despite claiming to be a Metal Gear Solid fan. Although I don't know any Metal Gear Solid fan who hasn't played that essential part of the lore. Yeah, I mean, I played the actual game. Although uh, never... <laughs> the, the monkey mission is the actual game. <laughs> yeah, the rest is just some shitty mini game that they tacked along. Exactly. Ape Escape was released in 1999 for the PlayStation 1. It was the very first game to require this PlayStation DualShock controller. That is a controller with the joysticks that became a standard feature from that point onwards. Prior to that, all you had was the D-pad on the PlayStation controller. The basic premise of the game is that a monkey called Spectre has somehow acquired a helmet that gives him super intelligence. He breaks out a bunch of other monkeys out of the zoo, gives them slightly less powerful version of his helmet, and travels back in time with his monkey army apparently to rewrite the past and give monkeys dominion over the planet, thus the uh, Planet of the Apes reference. So you play as a guy called Spike, who's an incredibly generic-looking anime protagonist, and you have to use a variety of gadgets to hunt down the monkeys and capture them. It's a 3D platformer in a similar style to Banjo-Kazooie. Like, you run around, you jump over platform, and you fight enemies while trying to capture the monkeys with an ever-growing arsenal of gadgets. So, I wanted to open up discussion on this game with the big thing you notice when you first start playing, and that's the control. The developers of Ape Escape very much wanted to push the joystick controls. It was the first game with them, right? So they came up with this very novel control scheme. So the left stick moves your character as normal, and you can move them at various speeds depending on how fast you push the stick, which is important for a stealth game and still around to this day. But the right stick, which nowadays goes on the camera, doesn't control the camera at all. Instead, I would call it a radial gadget activation button. So, for example, instead of pressing a button to attack with your stun club, instead you push the stick in the direction you want to attack. Likewise, when you use the propeller gadget, it's a gadget that extends your jump. It lets you jump higher and float further. You need to twirl the stick around rapidly, and you need to keep doing it to keep the propeller going. And the camera is instead on the D-pad. Yeah, the closest I would compare it to is a modern-day twin-stick shooter, but in melee. Yeah, so it's very it's very unusual and a little... Um, it's definitely surprising when you first jump in Ape Escape and are trying to control your character. So I wanted to know, James, without going too deep into it, what did you think of the controls? Did you enjoy them, hate them, or were they like more of a mixed bag? So I'm going to lead with the fact that the very first thing that I messaged Patrick with upon starting this game was, have I configured the controls wrong? Jump seems to to be on the right shoulder button. What the hell's going on? It's very odd. The camera controls are on the D-pad, and I found that to be quite disconcerting. I found myself trying to move the camera with the attack button many times throughout the game. It's obviously a very innovative title, so everything's extremely experimental, and a lot of the gadgets that required you to spin the control stick a lot to use them, there's this one gadget you get maybe halfway through the game that's like a hula hoop, 
And then if you spin the analog stick really fast around your character, it'll give you a speed boost. Um, I actually felt that the feedback on that particular move was quite fun. Although for the most part, I just constantly kept hitting the A button or the X button to, um, to try and jump. It was just so unusual to have jump on that shoulder button for me. Yeah, the, um, the thing is, I think it's a feature of platformers of this era that they didn't think to put the camera on that right stick. When we were playing through Banjo-Kazooie, the camera is also on the equivalent of the D-pad on the Nintendo 64 controller. On the, I think it's called the C-pad or something, you know, the yellow pad off to the left. But we, we moved that to the right controller when we were playing the game. The thing is, in Ape Escape, you literally cannot do that because there's nothing on the control pad that can simulate the radial controller except for the control stick. So this is the control scheme you're stuck with. Uh, did you find that you were using the L1 button to uh, put the camera behind your character a lot? Because I know that's something you used a lot in Banjo-Kazooie, but it feels very unnatural for me. Yeah, I was mashing on that button the entire time I was playing the game. If there had been a setting that let me just stick the camera behind my character the whole time, I just would have done that. I think the camera in this game sucks. Like, it's just terrible. I wrote an article about how frustrated I was getting with the controls and shared it with the Ape Escape community. And I came down very hard on them. And I'm I'm a little less hard on them now because I think that there are certain gadgets that are ideal for this control scheme and there's others i absolutely hate yeah so so one of the gadgets i think you're referring to is the remote control car basically throughout the entire game i was like having jump on the shoulder button is terrible but a little like near the end of the game you get a remote control car and when you put it out you know in most games when you have a remote control car out you would only be able to control the car and not your character. In this game, your character is still movable with the left stick and the car you drive with the right stick, so you move both characters at the same time. Because of this, if the controls were a bit more, you know, modern, the jump button being on X just wouldn't work with this at all because you'd need to take your thumb off the right stick to jump. Whereas in this, you can continue to move both characters while still having access to the jump button with your index figure. And, you know, at that point, I realized, you know, it actually makes sense for the controls to be like this with this gadget in mind. Yeah, so the remote control car was the best example, and and I loved using it. Every time it was very satisfying being able to control your character and the car at the same time. The monkey radar being on the analog stick made sense because it was, you know, nice to be able to point it to try and pinpoint exactly where they were relative to your position and i also thought the slingshot was good although we're kind of used to the slingshot being in those controllers because when you go into first person it makes sense like there's no there's no trade away i will say that one of the gadgets you really liked the hula hoop and the sky flyer made me incredibly angry and frustrated to (laughs) use because When I'm trying to do platforming, I do not want to be using the heel or palm of my hand to rapidly rotate the right stick. It reminds me of gimmicky motion control stuff. I want to concentrate on making the jump in the game, not doing these incredibly awkward gestures with my hand to get them to work. Did you not just use your thumb to do them? I can't rotate my thumb quickly enough to make it work effectively, so I have to use the palm or heel of my hand. Because I found it quite intuitive to jump with your index finger and then just be spinning with your thumb the whole time. It felt really good to me. So for me, I loathe it. I And the thing is, I love these movement options. Like the hula hoop makes you move really quickly and the skyfly extends your jump. So these are both things I actively would want to do. But what I want to be able to do is press a button. I want to be able to press a button and hold down the button to extend my jump or press the button to activate the hulu. I don't want to be moving my hand on the controller like I have to. So they both drastically detracted from these, I guess, almost exploration options. And yeah, I I absolutely hated them. They frustrated me. Yeah, I completely disagree. I think that Ape Escape's going for a very silly tone. The premise of the game is completely absurd. Like, there are these monkeys that are trying to take over the world, and this little boy has to run around capturing them with a butterfly net. It's so silly. 
And I think that the silly controls kind of tie into it thematically, and I kind of thought they made the game a bit more fun. I mean, I don't think that the silly premise is an excuse to have unenjoyable controls. I can see how some people would like the tactile feel of it more, but with my controls, I want them to be very boring and simple. I want the camera on a control stick, and I want to press buttons to activate gadgets. The RC car is really the standout to me that fits this control scheme, but everything else I think could be replaced by more traditional controls and the game would be a lot more enjoyable. Particularly the basic attack ones, the net and the stun club, there's no reason it can't be you press a button and the attack goes in the direction that you're facing. I don't know. I kind of liked the ability to attack behind you when you were running away. I did miss a lot of net uh, on monkeys just from, you know, fat fingering the stick and throwing in the wrong way. It got me, got me bopped on the head a few times, but, you know, overall it didn't really bother me once I got used to it. What I will say is that the worst offender in the entire control scheme is the fact that to stay in stealth, you have to hold the left stick button down while crawling around. So many times I would accidentally put less pressure on it than I needed to, and my character would just stand up and get seen by the monkey instantly. I just thought it was, like, garbage. See, that's odd. I never had that problem, but I do agree that it's it's a flaw. There's no reason why just clicking it shouldn't change your stance. But when I was playing, I never accidentally dropped out of stealth. And that's not the worst of it, because the worst of it is the vehicle controls in this game, which are <laughs> absolutely the worst I've ever I've ever had to uh, deal with. So the first vehicle you go on is a rowboat. And to row the rowboat, you need to rotate both sticks to simulate the rowing. And I could not get the hang of it. I yeah. It was always, I gradually slammed into the wall until I got where I needed to go. Yeah, so if you want to turn left, you have to rotate the left stick slower than you rotate the right stick so that it forces you to turn. It's pretty silly. I kind of had fun with it, but it was infuriating at times. I think the tank controls... Uh, well, much more infuriating, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, so so the way the tank controls work is each stick controls a tread of the tank. So <laughs> I don't even know how it works to this day. I, I got through the level with the tank, but it was more trial and error than anything else. It's uh, very unintuitive, and you've got no idea how, how to properly do it. I don't know if you played any of the mini games. So in this game, one of the optional collectibles that you can get are these golden coins that float throughout the levels and if you get enough of them you unlock these mini games in the main hub world and the first mini game which is the probably the only one i tried was this ski race and you know you're on skis on the snow right and each stick controls the angle that the skis are facing and i actually thought it was kind of fun yeah, it's all right. I played the minigame a bit and sucked at it, and I really don't like those controls where each each stick controls a particular thing and you need to... Also, it was another racing game, and I'm like, I've had enough of racing games <laughs> for a while after F-Zero, so... But yeah, the tank's particularly bad. Just on a side note, I found the double jump a little frustrating because you can only double jump as you're ascending once you start to fall from your initial jump the double jump gets disabled and that definitely killed me a few times yeah i found the jumping to be quite clunky compared to newer platformers i i think compared to like i don't know say banjo kazooie this game's jumping feels far far worse uh it feels less responsive you feel like you have less maneuverability, and I found it very difficult to judge the distance that I was going at. Yeah, I think that the gadgets ultimately give you more exploration options and ways to traverse around the level, but the actual fundamental controls are a little off, I do agree. Yeah, but for me overall, the controls are probably my number one fundamental problem with this game. I understand that for a lot of people, they form a lot of the identity of the game and I think that there are some aspects of it which are not quite as bad as I expected but I really dislike not having camera on the controller for a third person platformer particularly when you need to be often moving around really quickly and turning around a lot trying to catch a monkey. Yeah um, so ultimately I think that the controls 
aren't great and somewhat detract from the experience. But in other ways, you know, in some kind of a sense, this control scheme is almost a historical control scheme. Like it has value in that way as it was the first game to really take advantage of a dual stick configuration. So I think if you're interested in that kind of historical value, then I think you can get some value out of it. Yeah, I think that at the time it was released, it was very innovative, and they certainly pushed it to its limits. They weren't content with just doing one or two things. They did a lot with pushing this DualShock controller. So yeah, if you're interested in for historical relevance, sure. But in terms of straight-up enjoyment, I think there are a lot of missteps here, and I think that the boring use of using a control stick for a camera ultimately prevails over all of the gimmicky stuff it's doing. So the next thing I wanted to ask you was specifically about the gadgets. We've touched a lot on their usability. Did you find the gadgets were cool? Were you using all the gadgets? Or did you think that it was one or two that you were mainly using and the rest were throwaways? Just to kind of segue into this, I want to first start with the fact that there are a lot of gadgets in this game. There's about, I think there's eight or maybe ten. It's, uh, it's eight and then the swimming one is a ninth, but really it's eight. Eight, yeah, sure. To go back a bit to the controls for one second, the way that the gadgets are mapped is you can have four equipped at any time and you equip them to the face buttons. It was such a pain in the ass to have to go into that menu constantly to assign gadgets to buttons. Like, you'll have to change gadgets every maybe 10 to 15 seconds sometimes if you want to use all the ones that you need for the level. There are some monkeys that require you to use four or five gadgets at the same time. And, you know, you're just constantly going into this gadget reassignment menu, and I found that extremely tedious. How else are you meant to... um? To put, I guess, more than four gadgets on the control stick, though. Like, well, uh, modern games have weapon wheels, right? Sure. Um, and I think that's much better. But yeah, I, I found it really unenjoyable to have to swap them constantly. As for the gadgets themselves, however, uh, they're definitely the best part of the game. I think they're extremely fun to use, and they can get quite creative in how you have to use them. Especially the RC car, I agree with you, it was actually a joy to use. My favourite ones are probably the hula hoop, specifically in the sections that had those pinball bumpers that required you to get Hmm. an extra burst of speed by not just spinning up and dashing, but dashing into these bumpers that shot you in different directions to, you know, get under a door within the time limit. So I think the first thing that stands out as remarkable is that every single gadget in this game is usable and useful. I think that one of the sins that more modern games commit is that you're given all of these different tools in your arsenal and then you use three of them over and over again and the others are kind of on the side as gimmicky things. In this game, you use every single one and you use every single one frequently. Although the end game gadget you get you know, the the punching fist you get when you finish the game, yeah. that kind of invalidates the stun club. But but apart from that, uh, you're using every single one from the radar to the sky flyer to the hula hoop. So mad props to the game for making you use your full arsenal of gadgets. Yeah, one of the things that games with a lot of usable items, uh, one of the mistakes they often make is it's particularly noticeable in the Legend of Zelda series You'll often get a particular gadget to beat a set of challenges, like a temple, and then that gadget will just completely disappear, like you just don't need it for the rest of the game, you know? But Apescape does a very good job of making sure that, you know, every gadget is relevant throughout the entire game. And I kind of liked the final one you got, the Extendo Punch Glove. It does mm. invalidate the stun button, but it's a, it's a really nice reward for beating the game. You have this extremely long-range melee attack that allows you to hit monkeys from very far away and make them quite easy to catch. Yeah, so it makes them easier to catch, and it also opens up shortcuts that were previously inaccessible. So it's like the perfect reward, although, as you say, it invalidates the stun club. I really liked all the gadgets. I Once again, it comes down to the controls. I wish I didn't have to twist that stick so hard to get the Skyflyer working, because if I didn't, I would have enjoyed using it a lot more. But overall, yeah, the gadgets are awesome. It adds a lot of variety to the gameplay experience. How did you feel about the general gameplay loop, I guess? Because, you know, the gadgets are one of your tools that you use to capture monkeys, but there is a sort of loop that you go through as you progress through a level. 
Yeah, so essentially each level involves you loading in, and then you have to catch a certain number of monkeys to progress the game. So you'll jump into a level, and then, you know, there'll be 13, 15 monkeys around the level, and you have to get six of them. And using the gadgets, you'll find them hiding in certain places, and then you'll have to knock them out with the stun baton and grab them with your net. And once you get all six, the game, you know, kicks you out of the level and lets you go on to the next one. I found this really enjoyable for the most part. It reminds me of Banjo-Kazooie and that none of the challenges are particularly complex. You get a lot of rewards in rapid succession. You know, these levels take anywhere, you know, five to ten minutes for the most of the part. And then some of the longer levels will take 15 to 20, but there's only like three of those. I really quite liked how short the levels were. It made the gameplay experience kind of short and snappy for me, and I never felt like any of the levels up until some of the later ones outstayed their welcome. You know, you just got into this rhythm of find a monkey, figure out what gadget you need to get it, grab it, chase it, and then, you know, move on to the next one. I really liked how the, you know, the collectibles in this game aren't just these static objects. They actively try to attack you or to run away from you, jumping over ledges and doing all sorts of things to, like, wriggle away from the player character. I thought that that added quite a lot to the game for me. Yeah, capturing the monkeys is super satisfying. And when you swing your net and they land in your net, it's got a fairly generous sort of hitbox. So it never felt too fiddly to me. You could swing it near them and it would usually catch them. And yeah, it's it's very satisfying. Uh, every time you capture a monkey, you feel a sense of accomplishment. I will say that I was disappointed by the general lack of stealth in this game. I remember this game as being like a hybrid stealth game. But unfortunately, the opportunities where you can genuinely creep up on a monkey completely undetected and capture them before they're alerted are pretty few and far between. A lot of the time, the very process of reaching the monkey will alert them to your presence, and then it becomes an awkward scrap. Yeah, I near the start of the game, I used the stealth quite a lot. But once I got more adept at just catching them while chasing them, I just stopped using it. I think near the start of the game, I didn't use the stun baton as much as I should have been and was just trying to use the net. So I found that sneaking up was much more effective. But once I started making use of the stun baton more, I found that I just didn't need the stealth at all. Yeah, the stun baton and also there was a type of slingshot uh, projectile, the explosive one, that disabled the monkeys for a decent length of time. So I'll let you approach them from a slightly larger range. But uh, yeah, the the levels are designed in such a way that as you get further and further and you need to use jumping and uh, things like that to reach the monkeys that you can't just drop in behind them and catch them unaware. Most of the time they see you coming, so you've got to disable them first. They also do a really good job of making each monkey unique in its own way. There isn't a heap of repetition in the puzzles. You know, there's a little bit, but for the most part, each level has quite a big handful of monkeys that are unique in how you need to approach catching them. So there's some that are walking along narrow ledges that you need to first knock down with your slingshot and then chase through a little room to catch first. There's a bunch that are hiding in breakable objects that you need to use the monkey radar, kind of an item that's bound to the right stick and you have to point it in a direction and then it'll beep more strongly the closer you are to a monkey. I found that kind of fun. There'll be monkeys that are very, very fast, and you have to use the ring to catch up to them first to knock them down. There's all sorts of things. You know, there's mazes that you need to traverse with the car to get onto a switch that'll open a door. You know, all sorts of things, and I thought that was really good, that there wasn't a huge amount of repetition in the game. Yeah, and it opens up even more when you um when you finish the game. And just talking about that, I guess, general progression a bit more. So you play through the game getting the minimum number of monkeys for each level, which is usually about half whatever's on the level. And you can go back to the old levels whenever you want, but I think you're discouraged from doing so until you've got all of the gadgets. And that way, um, that way when you go back, you can get all the rest of the monkeys on the level. So you'll often only see half to three quarters of a level on your first playthrough. And then when you go back, you explore the full extent of the level and you often see the more difficult to capture monkeys that you didn't 
even get around to seeing on your first playthrough. Like, there'll be monkeys riding woolly mammoths and Tyrannosaurus rexes, among others. Yeah, I actually got both of those the first time I went through the level. I don't know about you. <laughs> uh, no, I, I came back for... I, I might have got the woolly mammoth one, but um, the idea is that there are more difficult and weird to reach monkeys further into the game that are tricky to get like you'll encounter the ufo monkeys early on before you have a slingshot to bring them down in so you get to go back and take care of them and broadly speaking i I don't mind this structure you are like i said you are discouraged from going back until you have completely finished the game and have all the gadgets it makes going back kind of an enjoyable tourist drop in and drop out as you traverse through Rejogging your memory of what the levels looked like and trying to remember where the pesky monkeys that you couldn't reach were before. I particularly like the giant glove that we alluded to earlier because it opens up a lot of convenient shortcuts through levels where originally you had to traverse these labyrinths. Now you can just smash down a wall and get right right to where you need to go. So I think the overall structure is fairly well put together as well. One of the things I really like about the fact that you only have to get a small portion of the monkeys on your first time through is that it caters to players of all skill levels, right? Because if you come across a monkey that's too difficult for you to catch, you can just go find a different one to catch. There's heaps of them, way more in a level than you need to finish them. So it allows you to pick and choose the ones that you're comfortable with. And there are ones that are obviously harder than the others to get. So if you want to, you can push yourself to do these challenges. And I quite liked how not all of the monkeys were locked behind you not having a gadget that was found later in the game. There was quite a decent amount to choose from the first time you went through each level. Yeah, I thought that was well designed. Uh, Having the option to do different monkeys depending on what you felt capable of taking on was, was well done. I will say I did find the level design a little too linear for my taste on most levels until you got to the very end it felt like you were progressing through different areas rather than kind of being dropped in the middle and being able to explore in a matter of your choosing and i think this is something that ape escape definitely does worse than you know banjo kazooie banjo kazooie dropped you down and you were free to tackle things in any order you choose Hyperscape feels like you're going from area to area instead of it being a more open level design where you get to choose what order to tackle the challenges in. And I far prefer a more open level design. My favorite level in the entire game by far is definitely Spectre's Castle, precisely because it does this. There, It's a massive castle There's and the outside environments and there's like 20 monkeys in the level, so it's one of the largest ones. And you can go through the castle from different directions in different ways. And I loved the more radial feel of the level design instead of it being a linear one because it also gave me the opportunity to sneak up on monkeys from completely different directions than they were anticipating. I would have liked if more of the levels were like this endgame one that lets you tackle it in a larger variety of ways than the more linear ones they ended up being. Yeah, I somewhat agree. Uh, I think that level design is Orangutan Outbreak's lowest point. Um, (laughs) I think that that level you mentioned is slightly too long. I liked the much shorter, snappier levels, but I did prefer the layout to a lot of the earlier levels. I think that my favorite level's layout was probably... Sushi Temple was one of the Japanese-themed levels. There was a bunch of little temples, and you could go through them in any order that you wished. There was no linear path. I also think that the theming of the levels is quite dull. There's nothing particularly interesting. You know, there's like generic ice world and generic lava world, and really the theme park and the modern day levels had the most interesting designs. But for the most part, you know, the environments were pretty standard. Nothing that particularly stood out to me. Yeah, the um the general aesthetics of the game are pretty dull, with a standout thing being the monkeys. The monkeys are jam-packed full of personality. They're super interesting. Even though the macro levels are kind of dull, the kind of mini stories and location that the monkeys are often found in is, is quite funny. Like there'll be one in a boxing ring or you'll have a couple that are roommates just chilling out down below. 
So I like everything to do with the monkeys. I find most of the rest of it pretty bland. I, I liked the castle level, and uh, like you said, I liked the very end of the game. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty dull. They're not doing too much that I would call creative in terms of world design. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I guess this is a good point to jump into a quick discussion about the graphics of the game. So in general, I think it's a bit dated, but there's something quite charming about the low polygon character models. Particularly the monkeys, I think, are still very entertaining and well animated. Like you said, you can find them in all sorts of strange positions. Like, I broke down a wall to find a monkey playing pool in a bar. I thought that was funny. Um, with the radar, once you kind of lock onto a monkey, you can press the first but person button and it will kind of give you this panning shot of the monkey, a bit of a short, funny description about the monkey as well. And, you know, both the monkeys and the human characters, I thought animated quite well and they fit the kind of childlike entertaining vibe that it had going for it. The textures for a lot of the environment are actually quite dated. I think they don't hold up well at all. And in particular, one thing that I noticed that I wanted to get your opinion on is it's very noticeable that this game takes a very lazy approach to one of the PlayStation 1's biggest problems, which is that it doesn't do perspectives particularly well. The PlayStation 1, when drawing objects on screen, only has fixed point precision. It doesn't use decimal places when calculating the angles at which surfaces are drawn. So often when you're changing the perspective, you're looking at a flat surface, it will jitter about like crazy. You'll see lines flying everywhere. Sometimes walls will disappear from vision completely. And the whole game, like all the walls look kind of liquidy because they're jittering about as you move. Yeah, definitely noticeable. Particularly whenever your camera goes into the wall, you see through several walls and see the entire layout of the level in front of you. It is also notable that most of the levels seem to be hovering in midair. Like you, you just walk to an edge and it's just an edge of the abyss. It didn't do a thing where it put naturalistic walls everywhere. The levels are just hovering in midair as if there's nothing supporting them. And the, the levels that were good were like the theme park level where you had the surrounding of the theme park as a natural barrier. A lot of the smaller, shorter levels, you're just in a place with no real semblance to reality. It's just kind of hovering there. Yeah, and I missed a couple of jumps because the platform I was looking at disappeared from my vision a couple of times in the game. It was uh, it was quite noticeable. They did a much worse job at tackling this issue of the PlayStation's hardware than a lot of other games on the system do. But in general, did you think the game had that kind of charm that I was talking about? Did you like the character models and the animations on the monkeys? Yeah, so to me, there are two sides to the graphics. There's the monkeys and everything pertaining to them, and then there's everything else. So when the monkey is riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex, it's charming and fun. When all the other aspects of the world are super ugly and disappointing. So on the whole, it's like a thumbs down for the graphics. I don't think they're very good, but I do love the personality that's injected uh, with all of the apes that have escaped. Yeah, probably the biggest detraction from the graphics for me is the draw distance. You can see like three meters in front of you at any one time. There's even a mission in the game that involves riding a roller coaster that makes this bad draw distance part of the gameplay, and uh, I really didn't like that. I dislike the short draw distance as well, and uh, as much as it pains me to say it, it's even worse than Banjo's. Because uh, even though Banjo's hid the collectibles from you, it didn't hide the entire world. You've got these short draw distances, you can't see anything. The monkey radar does help a lot in this regard. If the monkey radar didn't exist, it would be incredibly frustrating to find some monkeys because you'd have to position yourself at the perfect angle to be able to see them. So that does help. But yeah, draw distance sucks. I also yeah. want to add that uh, it doesn't help that the levels are often split up into four to five different loading screens, even for the outside levels. So not only is your draw distance poor, you have to keep going through loading screens to get to new chunks of the level, and it makes it feel like it's even more cut up and divided than, than it already is. So Yeah, and like you were saying... Again, the monkey radar kind of salvages this because 
it will detect monkeys through loading screen sections as well. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, it won't it won't show you where they are, but it will tell you there are monkeys in the next loading screen to be found. Yeah. But like you said, the monkeys are definitely the best part of the graphics. I love the way that they freak out when you, they spot you and all the kind of bizarre animations they have when running away and throwing bananas at you, playing pool and just interacting with the world around them. And the sound design is equally well done for the monkeys. I was using audio cues a lot to know about different alert levels and I can still hear them. I can still hear them after playing the game, the noises of the monkeys. It keeps echoing in my ears. Them walking around and sneezing all the time, it, uh, it sticks with you. Yeah, it's funny that you should bring up the sound because I think that the music in Chimpanzee Chase is easily the worst part of the game, like, by far. I usually detest turning the sound off in games, but I turn the sound off in this game many, many times. The first time you hear a tune, it's fine. Like, you're like, this isn't great, it's not awful. And then you get four seconds in and it loops. And then the next four seconds, and then it loops again. This game is full of really short music tracks, like four seconds long, that just loop endlessly without change in the background. It drove me nuts while I was playing the game. It was actively awful. really weird. I really don't see a big distinction between this and Banjo-Kazooie's loops, which you adore to pieces. So Banjo-Kazooie's loops are much longer and are more thematically consistent with the game. Listen, I don't love this track. Any any soundtrack which is this basic, I'm never going to love. But I really don't feel that it's that distinct. And it, it does have a feel to it. It's this fast-paced uh, like snare drumming thing underlying a lot of the tracks they're all like speedy joy, joyful tracks i guess i even have a couple i picked out that i do enjoy so i i'm not in love with it i'm surprised how much you detest it i i think that it, it's on par with banjo kazooie For reference, I was playing this game in my room and I had a few people watching me and I, I took the sound and I played it through my speakers and we spent like an hour laughing at how bad the sound was, like, it was so painful. There was this level, uh, I think it was called Hot Springs, the loop was so short it was driving me nuts. Um, and we were just sitting here in my room, like, humming along to it and laughing about how bad it was. I just... it's awful. Like, it's really bad. There are a couple of tracks that I thought were okay. There's one called Galaxy Monkey that I quite liked, but, you know, not all of it is terrible, but it just, it, to me, it ranges from mediocre to actively bad. I think it's the weakest part of the game by far. So I liked the opening music, just the, just the generic menu music, which to me is, I guess, the Ape Escape you know, representation sound. The other one I picked out was Spectre's Castle, the outside version, because there's an inside and an outside track. But yeah, no, I'm, I gotta say, I'm surprised at how much you uh, hated it. Uh, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I turned the volume down low, but I never turned it off. I, I don't know, like, I thought it was fine. The tunes themselves were fine if they had been longer. If every track was, like, ten seconds longer, I think I would have been okay, but it was just this drone of repetition, I just couldn't stand it. Yeah, I, I guess for me, the audio of Ape Escape is part of its identity, maybe in the same way you feel about Banjo, so I not having the music to this game not be the way it is would be very strange for me. 
Yeah, I will concede that at least the music is thematically consistent with the rest of the game. Um, it fits the game's tone and like it's got a Saturday morning cartoon feeling um, in the story, and I felt that you know it did a good job of matching that. But I think we're gonna gonna have to disagree on this point. But I guess moving on to the story, how did you feel about it? To me, it was pretty. It was there to justify the gameplay and nothing more. I agree. The uh, story is essentially an excuse to go capture a bunch of monkeys that have escaped. That's all it does. Your main character is looks like, you know, the main character from Pokemon with his ridiculous, stupid hair. The story doesn't make any sense. The apes are going back in time to change history so that the apes are in control. But nothing they're doing seems to be making any changes. I guess I remember seeing some Mayan temples that had ape inscriptions on them, but that's about it. And yeah, the character's dialogue is terrible and there's nothing redeemable about the story. It did give me the realization, though, that maybe the reason that people love the terrible Final Fantasy stories is because in comparison to these other games, they're pretty good. Oh my god, Patrick. <laughs> If, listen, it's a it's a reasonable explanation. If you're playing games like Ape Escape and Banjo Kazooie, and then you play literally anything that's reasonably competent, you probably would think it's a masterpiece. Do you hate the story of this game? Because for me, it was there. Some scenes were like kind of enjoyable. You know, they're like they're pleasant. I didn't hate any of the scenes. I watched all of them. They were fine, but I didn't like. This is Ape Escape. It's this silly story about. An evil mastermind monkey going through time to put the control of the world under the monkeys. Like, I'm not expecting Shakespeare here, and I don't I'm think I'm not it expecting did a- Shakespeare, but, you know, the voice acting's terrible, and the dialogue, it, it's like someone's gone to Google Translate and typed that in and then told the characters to read out those words. It barely makes sense, the things that they're saying. And I even have an example for you, if you allow. Okay. So what I did was I got one scene and I'm just going to read out the entire scene's dialogue to you. And you tell me if if it's like uh I don't think I don't think it needs to be Shakespeare, but it needs to be understandable. So this scene is from where Spike gets to the top of Spectre's castle. So it's kind of like the penultimate confrontation between him and the evil monkey Spectre. And uh this this is how it goes down. So it starts off with Spectre. Well, Look who's here. So you finally found us. Spike. Spectre. Jake. And then Spectre turns around to Jake, who's his mind control friend, and says, And how is everything coming along? Everything is under control and coming along very nicely, according to plan. Very good, then let's get going. Right. Spike, obviously confused, says, Hold on, you're not going anywhere. And then Jake replies, Oh, yes, we are. I don't have time to bother with you right now. Oh, but we will. We will meet again. You just wait. You won't even know what he... And Spectre concludes this gripping scene with, Another time, another place, you'll have your chance. And then you fight a man man in armor with a big ass. That is terrible. I, I can't understand how terrible that is. I actually don't see anything wrong with that. There's like a couple of awkward bits, but I don't really know what you're talking about, to be honest, Patrick. It's an ultimate confrontation between these two characters, and most of the scene is Spectre speaking to Jake, asking how everything is going. And then when he's when Jake's speaking to Spike, he basically says, I don't have time to speak with you before he leaves. That's the scene? It sucks. It's terrible. I hate it. To me, it's the classic... You're trying to invade this ultimate evil's castle to catch him, and that you've arrived too late, and they're getting away, like, just as you're getting there. Like, you're too late to catch them, and so the same scene's entirely appropriate for that. Okay, to me, it's way too clunky to be taken seriously. To me, I, I, was, I almost thought it would... I mean, I think you've got bigger problems if you're trying to take the story of Ape Escape seriously, Pat. It's not about taking it seriously. <laughs> For example, watching the Red Alert 2 cutscenes, it's complete nonsense. But they have competent voice acting and, you know, a pretty decent script. This has neither. It's got nothing going for it at all. 
So, yeah, and to me, all the personalities in the monkeys, not the characters. So you got bland characters, a poor script, poor voice acting. It just, I wanted to skip every cutscene in the game. It was that bad. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not arguing that the characters are boring and the voice acting's awful, because it is, it definitely is, but I just don't see a problem with the writing in that scene that you mentioned there. It just seems completely average to me. All right, we'll have to uh, agree to disagree because to me it's unacceptable how bad it is. It's it's worse than anything in Banjo, that's sure. And you know how I feel about characters' voices. I'd rather listen to those characters' voices than Ape uh, than Escape voices. It gives you an idea of how bad it is for me. Yeah, okay. Uh, I will say that the sound, I'm not going to call it a sentence. I'm going to call it a sound that you make when you die in this game is hilariously bad. I was like, ah. Yeah, it's it. I, I don't know who thought that was okay. Classic re-recordings for a different language, though. Yeah, so pretty pretty disappointing story. But it does give you a justification to go to a theme park. So I mean, it's got that going for it. Yeah. So going back to that scene you mentioned, it ends with you fighting this giant knight. It's probably the first of three or four boss fights that are in the game. How did you feel about those specifically? Because I thought that for the most part they were pretty fun. Yeah, they were fine. I mean, they they were a fine distraction. Don't have a problem with them. Not particularly compelling. I think that um, I've only played the beginning of the, you know, Legend of Zelda games, but none of them could stand up to any of those bosses. So, uh, yeah, they they were okay. Yeah, I thought the Spectre one in the Flying Hovership was actually pretty good. You just avoid attacks and then hit things, but that's that's every boss fight these days, right? Yeah, and there was there was nothing as difficult as uh, the fight from Banjo Kazooie. Thank God. Oh yeah, Gruntilda was brutal. <laughs> Going back to the story for a moment, there was something that was like a little, a little. I don't know if off-putting is the right word, but there was a little strange, which is that Spectre was an evil dude, right? He was trying to conquer humanity and everything. But the solution that the uh, that the humans have to it is to get a being who has gained intelligence and put him back in a zoo performing <laughs> tricks for people. And I'm like, where is the sympathy with a being who has gained intelligence? It was, I mean, I know it's a stupid, silly game, right? But they could have applied a little more subtlety in uh, punishing him or, I guess, accepting it would have been a bit more reasonable not to condemn him back to being a dumb monkey performing tricks. So, uh, yeah, that that stood out a little for me. I actually did have this in my notes as well. Um, I thought that one of the final dialogue scenes is, Spectre, stop this madness, come back to the circus. It's just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absurd. Like, this character's so intelligent, they've made a giant spaceship, and they want to they wanna capture him and put him in the zoo again. It's just so yeah, it's funny. Like, can't you strike a middle ground here? Like, surely there's a middle <laughs> ground between... Being at the circus performing tricks for the amusement of others in a zoo and being a super intelligent evil person who wants to conquer mankind. Yeah. Just let him go and be himself. I, I don't know. I mean, I know it's a silly game, but, but it was a funny, a funny note to strike. It actually made me laugh. I thought it was pretty funny in a kind of sick way. Um. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just glad uh, Peter doesn't play games that are this old. Otherwise, <laughs> there'd be there'd be a pretty elaborate campaign against this game. I've got to tell you that. Something I have in my notes as well that we haven't gotten around to speaking of is I think this game does a really good job at rewarding the player for their efforts. In a lot of games that have lots of collectibles, the reward for those collectibles is usually kind of underwhelming. But this game always rewards player achievement with more gameplay, which is something that I think more games should be doing. For example, if you collect all the gold coins, you get you unlock these mini-games to play, and if you go back through the game after you've got the first ending and collect every single monkey, you unlock a new boss fight, the final showdown with Spectre. You know, and the just general collecting unlocks more levels throughout the story, and I thought that's really good. I much prefer additional gameplay as a reward than, you know, something silly like artwork or you know meaningless crap like that it's something that celeste does really well in particular uh, whenever you find a secret bonus area it contains a platforming challenge to get a strawberry as you keep doing bits of the game you keep getting more and more progressively difficult gameplay so i completely agree 
just hiding rewards is a lot less interesting than expanding on gameplay options for discovering things. The other thing I wanted to talk about is how did you feel about the final platforming gauntlet at the end of the game? Because you're capturing monkeys, you know, going through level by level, and then you get to like the final, one of the final areas where you have to ascend this massive platforming tower. And it's so long that the game actually gives you infinite lives to complete it. There's an extra life sitting in a jar at the beginning of each area that you can destroy to give your life. So if you fall off and die, you just immediately get a new one. And um, I found those quite challenging, actually. It took me a while to get through there with lots of frustrating deaths and me yelling at my controller. Yeah, I actually found that a lot harder than the rest of the game. Like, the final fight was really easy in comparison to these last platforming bits. I'm glad that the developers were a bit self-aware and, as you said, left that infinite life at the start. Otherwise, I could have seen myself getting extremely angry with it. There was only one section, and it was in the second half of the platforming. There were these three rotating platforms... And just above the platforms, there was this ball on a chain that was rotating the other way. So you had to be jumping between these platforms, trying not to fall through the gaps, while also trying not to get hit by the spiky ball. And I would have died like 10 to 15 times just trying to get through that one little jump. Yep, I know exactly the one you're talking about. I also died. Unfortunately for me, I also had to use the Skyflyer slash propeller thing a lot in this area, which I absolutely loathe. So uh, if only I could have just pressed a button when I was in midair to activate it, I would have enjoyed it so much more than I did. But having to constantly swing my, the heel of my hand around drove me nuts. And every time I fell off, I was very frustrated with those controls. <laughs> yeah, I still maintain that I thought that was fun. I wish... If there's anything that I wish there had been more of, it was more... I wish there had been more things that required the hula hoop. I thought that dashing around was extremely fun. More RC car bits. That, that's what I wanted. More more areas where I got to use a remote control car creatively. There are, there are a few too many areas where there's just a monkey in this big cage that you have to chase out. Yeah... And there were some sections where there was like five monkeys just standing around in the same bit. I know what you, exactly what you're talking about before when you mentioned that the monkeys don't seem like they're doing anything particularly fiendish in the levels. Most of them are just like walking around and maybe there's one holding a machine gun in, you know, a watchtower or something. They're just, uh, they're just chilling out. Like they're like drawing on a wall or they're like having a drink or they're just chilling out. And then you capture them and send them back to captivity. Like I said, Peter wouldn't be very happy with this game. <laughs> Actually, now that you've mentioned it, one thing that I thought was really good design was the helmets on each of the monkeys have these like alert uh, lights that flash around and they change color depending on the alert level of the monkey. Like they'll be blue when they're completely relaxed and then the yellow when they're suspicious and they're red when they're running away and i thought it was a really good way of communicating to the player um the monkey's alert level especially when the game's graphical fidelity is so low uh, it makes it you know really clear and does a good job of communicating that yeah it also does a good job teaching because as with all stealth games it's pretty hard to know at first blush how close you need to be to alert them and it very quickly teaches you that from, from the very first mission so yeah good good clean design yeah and you know it serves they're basically the mascot characters of the series like i had seen promo art for ape escape before but the main character and the villain are never on it it's always these monkeys with these like flashlight hats are the most iconic characters in the series from my you know limited exposure previously yeah, unfortunately, they're the only iconic characters. So, from what I've gathered, we're both a bit up and down on certain parts of this game. But overall, what are your final opinions on Simeon Surprise? <laughs> I think that's the uh, sixth name you've come up with so far. Uh, basically, I cannot recommend this game today. I think it has a lot of cool things going on. I like the basic gameplay of capturing monkeys. But there are a few too many individual problems I have with the game. Number one is the control scheme. I think that a platformer that doesn't have the camera on the right control stick is fundamentally flawed. 
I want to be able to easily control my character, and that includes the camera. And in Ape Escape, you cannot do that. I find some of the gadgets very annoying to use, notably the hula hoop and the Skyflyer. I can see the advantage of the control scheme for things like the remote control car, which is something I've never experienced. But in general, I think a better control scheme needs to be found than the one exists for this game. My biggest disappointment with this game was the level design. Even though the basic loop of capturing monkeys is a lot of fun, the very linear levels and the lack of more stealth gameplay to me is is a big downer. So I think that there is something fun to be had here, but I wish it had focused more on a more expansive level design. In conclusion, there's good stuff going on in this game, but playing it today is frustrating. And I can respect the historical reasons for the control scheme, but I can't in good stead recommend it today when there are other games that just control and feel fun. Yeah, so I echo a lot of your sentiments here. So, But with the controls, I think that there is so much historical value for me that it kind of outweighs the moment-to-moment pains of using the controls. You know, overall, when I'm controlling the game, it doesn't feel great, but every time they introduce a new gadget or a new move, um, the controls are usually quite unique. And I think that there's enough novelty there that, you know, I was always pleasantly surprised at how bad the controls were. It was almost like a positive. You know, I didn't have the problems that you had with the twirly motion. I thought they were actually quite fun. But, you know, the stories, whatever, I hated the music. It's hard for me to say one way or another, honestly. I can't, I can't say you shouldn't play this game. If you have an interest in this type of game, and this game in particular, there's no way I would tell you not to play it, because at no point during this game did I ever feel like I was not in at least a little bit enjoying myself. I never hated the experience, and in a lot of cases it was quite fun. But at the same time, the experience was never something to write home about. I was never like, this is amazing, I want to keep playing this forever. You know, it was pretty good, but nothing special. So I can't tell you not to play it, but I also can't say you should definitely play this game. Absolutely not. There are so many other great games that you could be playing instead of Monkey Madness, and I think that because of that, it's hard for me to give this, you know, a stellar response. So, you know, it's it's a solid maybe from me. If you're really interested in the gameplay, then, you know, give it a go. It does a really good job of varying the gameplay with the gadgets and the different kinds of monkeys you have to catch. There's a lot of charm here, but, you know, ultimately it's just kind of whatever. So I think it's really going to depend on person to person. For me, I don't regret playing the game at all. Um, I was happy enough, but, you know, if I had to recommend this to myself personally, I'd probably give it a pass. There's something to be said for the fact that the control scheme in Ape Escape is intrinsically tied up on its identity. And this is something I realized while speaking to members of the Ape Escape community. A lot of them adore the controls to pieces, like it's a very important part of the game and you can't really have an Ape Escape game without this sort of control scheme. I disagree. I think you could make a great Ape Escape uh, game that has a more more nuanced and more sophisticated take on the controls. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but I think it can be done. And I don't think you ruin the essential nature of Ape Escape. If you like novel control schemes, there's something here for you. And, and I don't want to take away from the people who enjoy it for what it is. I'm just saying for me personally that I can't get behind it after trying, even though I can see how it can have potential upside in some scenarios. But just like me, right, you didn't hate the game. I enjoyed capturing monkeys. I enjoyed the process of figuring out how to capture monkeys. But I didn't enjoy it so much that the control scheme was worth playing through. If I wasn't doing the podcast, I probably would have given up in frustration before finishing it. It's not like I literally hated it, but I would not have chosen to play this over other games. Did you find yourself having to force yourself to play the game for the podcast at all? Because when I played the game, I played 90% of the game in one sitting. I didn't 
there was no point where I got to when I was like, okay, I've had enough. This is making me too mad um, in terms of the controls. Did that happen to you at all? No, I, I didn't play for super long periods of time. I played in lots and lots of like one hour bursts before I got frustrated and annoyed. I will emphasize that I think the basic gameplay loop here is fine. It's just a little simplistic. And yeah, like I said, I want my games to be very easy and naturalistic to control. I don't want to be, I don't want the control scheme to be part of the game. I want to play the game and have all the difficulty and interesting things in, in that way. So the controls were like a barrier to my enjoyment. Okay. If you had to make changes to the game going forward, you know, let's assume that the sequels to this game, you know, we don't know about them. They haven't been made. What would you want to see from a sequel? So the first thing is put the right stick on the camera. I know that will annoy Ed Gable, but whatever. I would put the gadgets on the D-pad, and then I would have the buttons correspond to attack and jump. The other thing I thought that you could include was have one of the buttons swap to a more traditional Ape Escape control scheme for when for people who like it and for the gadgets where it makes sense. Like you press your circle button or your B button on Xbox controller, and then you've got the traditional controls for the RC car. If you don't press it, then um, you have the old-fashioned controls when you're wanting to activate a gadget to jump across a difficult ledge. I think something like that could work, but it's hard because I think that if it were just a completely modern, normal-day control scheme, you would lose the cool things like being able to move your character control an RC. So firstly, fix that up. The second big thing is give me more expansive levels. Give me more stealth options. I want to play Ape Escape as a stealth game. I want to get 100% stealth captures. And maybe that's just me loving stealth games too much, but my favorite captures of the monkeys was were when I snuck up on them completely undetected. Yeah, so with the stealth, I think that, that could be expanded on a lot. I wouldn't want the whole game to be just stealth sections, but I think they could be more interesting than sneak forward and then whenever the monkey turns around, hold the invisible button. Because there's a button in this game that allows you to be undetectable. I think that in terms of the camera, a better solution... Because I, I liked having attack on the right analog stick, but for that to be the case, you lose out on having camera controls on that stick, which is, you know, not good. So in order to kind of reconcile being able to attack and use items with the right stick, which I quite enjoyed, I think you would need to move to, you know, we were talking about Metal Gear earlier, and many of the early Metal Gear games had fixed camera perspectives, and I think that would work for this game a lot better than the current implementation. If you just didn't have to worry about the camera, then I think it would be a lot better. That's a bold, bold suggestion, moving to a fixed camera system. I thought we were out of that era. It would make it feel a lot less 3D. Yeah, I I can see the issues with it, but I think you can make it dynamic enough that it's not an issue. Mario Odyssey, for example, you basically never need to control the camera. It moves dynamically so well that, you know, when you play that game, you, maybe something more like that is more what I'm thinking of. Just a better better AI on the camera that knows where it needs to be. Yeah, Odyssey's camera is quite good, and that could help address some of my concerns, I guess. It's, it's just tough when you're having to spin around in circles trying to catch a monkey to, to have no camera control. And I know some people can spam L1, and that's fine, but that is not for me. I hate that to pieces. I, I don't want to control my games. Yeah, um, and then other than that, I think if they kept the diversity in... Uh, items required, then, you know, I'd be happy to play a sequel as long as it felt a bit better to control. The main thing for me is making Jump feel a bit more responsive and, you know, potentially adding some slightly more complex puzzles to the game. But, you know, overall, a sequel with much better music would be really all I'd need to play <laughs> on the game. There, there's a good core here, um, but yeah, it was it was held back by Tim frustrations. Yeah. Ultimately, Chimpanzee Chase is a flawed but okay game. So, that's our official verdict. I hope you've enjoyed us ramble on about Apis. If you've enjoyed the episode, we would love if you would share the episode with a friend, or if you have any feedback to give us, we'd love to hear it. You can find our website at www.rspodcast.net, 
or you can follow us on Twitter at Ret Podcast. That's at R-E-T Podcast. So that was Ape Escape. What's on the agenda for next Fortnite, James? Alright, so the next game is one I've been wanting to play for a while, a bit due to other people's recommendations and the fact that I recently played a few of the Resident Evil games with both 7 and the Remaker 2 coming out in quick succession. So we're going to be playing Silent Hill 2, and one of the things that spurred this decision in particular was that a while back I heard that Patrick didn't particularly like scary games, and I thought it'd be pretty funny. I suspect, although who knows if I'll get proven wrong, that uh, scary games from that era won't be nearly as scary nowadays. At least that's what I'm hoping. Uh, I doubt we've gotten the equivalent of The Shining or or The Thing yet uh, in our horror games, but maybe Silent Hill 2 is still scary today. Yeah, I actually suspect that the uh, all the fog effects and shitty draw distances are going to make it a lot spookier, um, but we're going to have to see. If it's not scary enough, you can always play it with the lights turned off. Uh, I'll pass. I'm going to be playing <laughs> on midday with uh, with all of the lights in the house shining around my computer screen. But uh, that's about all we have time for. We'd like to thank you all for joining us once again, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks for Silent Hill 2. See ya. See ya.